0: Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people going through different challenges and how they overcome them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help keep you safe. If you love this conversation, We'd love you to like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero story. What a lovely conversation this was with Philip Bashy. Before we started recording, we were in the green room. And he said, Aveline, I don't really think I've got much of a story. I don't think I've got much to share. Who am I? I'm not that special. So I got him to accept that we needed to, to have the conversation. And of course, I didn't know what his story was about. And then we started recording. And then he comes out with this journey of, of his health issues. But it wasn't just that. He holds the record at St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney for the most heart bypasses in one operation which he had when he was 51. Now he's 73 so it's 22 years later and he's still here living his life with meaning, is going strong but he had such a beautiful story so I couldn't believe he said he had nothing to share but the point of his story is the things that matter most we need to hold dear. What I got from it was how we need to live our life reverently and consciously and don't take anything for granted he attributes his success in in continuing to keep alive and and high his his marriage exercise and being a part of a supportive community that was the key message from him it's a great story i hope you enjoy Hello, we are here. It's another episode of Kintsugi Heroes, and my guest is Philip Bash. Philip, thank you so much for joining me.
1: My pleasure, Evelyn. Absolute pleasure.
0: Wonderful. Well, let's get started, shall we? Um, Can you take us back? Like, where does your story begin? Provide us with that context and the background and what was going on for you.
1: Yeah, look, probably um, the, the trauma in my life. Was mainly around the diagnosis of a serious heart condition. You know, when I was fifty-one, um, I it, it, it ended up that I had seven heart bypasses, um, which was pretty amazing and large for uh, anyone to have had. In fact, it's probably it hasn't been beaten since since I had that in in the year two thousand and one. Um, the beginning of my life was fairly. Very good, actually, uh, as far as education was concerned, loving family, Uh, except that I lost my father uh, when I was about 14 from alcohol. I lost uh, a 12 year brother who was 12 years older than me uh, when I was 21 from cancer, Um, and I've also lost uh, an ex-wife who I watched uh, become an alcoholic through my marriage with her, and she... She died um, 10 years after I left that relationship. But really, um, I suppose this, the defining part of my life was realizing that I may not, may not have very much longer to live. And here I am 21, 22 years later, still here. Um, what have I done in relation to trying to live my life for, uh, with meaning? And mostly it's around. Um, the satisfaction of being able to give back. Um, and I've done that in a number of different ways with uh, volunteering uh, as a Lifeline Telephone Crisis Supporter. Um, I've also um, mentoring through an organisation called Mentoring Men. I've been on a number of boards of not-for-profit organisations as well, mostly involved with the uh, young people and mental health issues. Um, and that in itself has given me a significant amount of fulfillment from being able to do that. Um, the the thing I think that is most important is that I'm able to understand one of the reasons that I've been able to keep my health the way it is is that my prolific amount of exercise that I do um, it Is the thing that mentally and physically keeps people, uh, well adjusted. And I thank that very sincerely that that's always been part of my life. And it has never been a struggle for me to want to do that. And that's exactly what I do. The other thing that I find is extremely important in my life for me has been the community, the friends that I've got. Um, they uh, have been really really supportive and through my experience at lifeline I can understand I understand that there are m- many people out there who don't have that level of support from other human beings that is something that is extremely important for everybody and part of what I was doing at lifeline was to be involved in training the community in relation to how to um how to relate to people in crisis or just people in general. And I find that that is something that I'm continually doing in my own personal life. And it brings to me a great deal of satisfaction in being able to be there for people and most importantly, listen, active listen, um, non-judgment and really just be there in the space for the person who's talking to you, which has been amazing. Um, as far as my heart condition is concerned, I've had a number of relapses. I've had uh, quite serious concerns in relation to a couple of very nasty um, places where I where I actually uh, I fainted. I was I've been taken to ICU two or three times. So every day is. You know, we have the, I have the question in my mind, what's going to happen today? But I think the major thing that really stood out for me when I had that problem was you got to live every life, every day of your life for today and not really think about what could happen, but just get on with it. And, you know, the ability to be able to help other people get on with it has for me been absolutely absolutely so rewarding um and that's really what gives me the strength because i know i'm I, i'm serving a purpose being on the planet i know i am uh and when people say thank you for being there it's uh, the greatest the greatest feeling that you get when that happens it's really
0: lovely philip and I can see why you would be so comfortable, so we should say life-qualified, to be a mentor or a crisis counsellor with Lifeline, given what you've been through. Can I take you back? Uh, you lost your dad at 14. How did that change your world at that age?
1: It actually really didn't, Aveline, because I, um, from the minute probably <laughs> – from when I was born, he was in and out of rehab, um, out of, um, in, in, in homes. So he was never really a dad for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have a lot of pain over that. The bigger pain comes from me when I lost my brother, who mm-hmm. then, bec- who had be- then become my father figure. Um, and he was taken away when I was 21. Um, and I think that had more effect on me than losing my dad, to be honest. Um, he, yeah, look, that, that was really, really hard for me to, to get over. And I understand that a father figure in people's lives is extremely important. And I'm also very understanding of the, of the families, the, the support a family can give people. And that's again, what I get involved with quite a lot through, um, the, the mentoring experiences being a father figure for, The people that I'm mentoring, and just being there for them to talk to somebody about anything. Mm. Um, And, Aveline, I have to say that you know, the adversity that I've had, but but it's all so much made up by being able to give back. And I I, I, and I just Mm. don't know whether I'm making that clear, but that's the way I feel.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Who did you have to help you through the passing?
1: a loss of your brother? Uh, My friends. um, My friends. um, I have to say that is my major source of strength. Um, And I, yeah, I I suppose I didn't have a father figure ever again, ever again. Um, But certainly my friends have been there for me right the way through um, you know, I had, I had a, I had a very nasty experience in the Arctic Circle where I, I did have a, an episode. And, you know, I remember myself going into a fit of depression when I was in ICU in, 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 in Finland. And I made four phone calls to my four best friends. And I, my, my mood just went through the roof. I mean, it was just like, And that's when I really realized and understood how important having people around you is to everybody and how when I listen to people when I'm talking on the phones that they don't have anyone to go for except a stranger on the end of a telephone, I just, my heart goes out to those people because that's what we all as human beings need is somebody there to support us. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We do. So tell me, those friends you had at twenty-one when you lost your brother, are those? Did those friends become kind of lifelong friends? Did they? W- w- were you close to them for a long time?
1: I have to say to you, Evelyn, I, I cannot. Uh, you know, I'm going to say it. I, I've I've just lost one of my five closest friends two days ago, um, and you know, it's I have i have I have contacted the other three close friends to tell them what's happened, and the support has been amazing, absolutely amazing. So both for two of the people that I've talked about, one was my best man at my wedding, the other one was a groomsman. So and one of the one of my friends, I've been known him since we were nine years of age. So you know those sort of friends never disappear, never disappear. I've been so lucky. Yeah,
0: that's why I asked. because when you have friends like that, especially at that age and when you go through something that big, those friends become your family.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: So 21 and then your next big thing that happened was 30 years later. How did the diagnosis of your heart condition come about? Like what was happening for you when you found out?
1: that's, I mean, actually following this, I told a lot of people about what happened. Um, I went and did a stress test. Um, I went to a doctor to get a checkup for um, a life insurance policy. One of the people who bought into my business wanted to take on me, out on me. And he said, oh, you've got some problems. When he did the ECG, I went to have a stress test. And I saw the people who were behind me on when I was doing the stress test with absolute shock in their eyes and they couldn't believe what they were seeing. Um, so the next thing was that I was, um, you know, I, I, I then took myself off to hospital and I said, well, you've just had the most massive heart attack. And I said, no, I haven't. What do you mean? I've had a massive heart attack. I have absolutely to this day, no idea, no idea, no memory of when that heart attack occurred. And I do make a point of telling people that because sometimes it, well, obviously it can happen, and mine was massive, but I had no idea. So, um, you know, that, that was how it occurred.
0: Were they able to pinpoint the time that it happened or how long had no. it had been? No. Okay.
1: No, 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 and neither could I. So That's amazing. No one knows. No one yeah. knows.
0: So when you t- turned up at hospital and they said, oh, you've had a massive heart attack, did they basically say, you're in now? Like, come on in.
1: We, we need to do some work. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. And they said, you know, we'll go in and have a look. And when I came out, my then partner said, you've had seven. And I had seven, said seven what? Seven bypasses. So, you know, that was pretty traumatic in itself, hearing that news. Yeah, quite traumatic.
0: How long were you under for?
1: I think about five hours. Yeah, about five hours.
0: Okay, and it was seven in the in the one operation, or were they spread yeah, out? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Sure, seven. No, no, no. A couple of arteries had two, <laughs> two, two bypasses in a couple of a couple of the arteries. Yeah. Anyway, it's it was um it it was it was it was traumatic, but also as I said before, Avalyn, it was it, it it. I look at it as being a great asset to my life too, because mm. it made me think about what a why I was here, what I was going to do, how I just couldn't rely on my life being going forever, um, and I suppose that's the way I treat my life right now. It's I don't know when it's not going to be here. Um, neither does anyone. Let me tell you. I'm not saying I'm not saying everybody knows that, but it's sort of the chances are far uh, higher for someone with my condition for it not to be here.
0: Mm. So that that was what happened when you came out. You had that that moment of clarity and that that the opportunity to look at life
1: and and realize yeah i was also in a very very fortunate position that i owned my own business and i could manipulate my own uh, remuneration and the employment of people to make my life um, just that much better around the things that i actually wanted to do with it so that that again i was very very fortunate to have that. As the ability to do that as well.
0: Where can I ask? Because I just want to uh, pull in the other piece that you mentioned earlier about your ex-wife going through alcoholism. Did that happen before your heart bypass, multiple bypass operation?
1: Yeah, yeah, it it it, it, it did. Um, it actually did. Um, I left her and uh, decided I had to leave in June. 2000 and my bypass occurred a year later and you know I probably don't have a lot of doubt that that was partially you know that caused the heart problems I'm sure about it because it wasn't it's not as it's not an easy thing to do to walk away from someone who you know is not in a good place Um, but I just couldn't do that yeah
0: must have been hard so you came out you had a look at your life and got a bit of perspective at 51. What were the immediate changes that you made in your life as a result of the operation?
1: Um, as, as it turns out, at the same time, um, another, my partner came into my life, a new partner with whom I, I'm still with um so that was sort of like a a line in the sand saying right now i've got a new a new relationship a new partner and both our desire was to do a lot of travel and that's what we did for the for the next 20 years um and to be honest i'm not sure i can travel again uh after the last year or so but if i can't then that's just the way it is um you know, I've been very, very fortunate in what I've been able to do and I've loved every minute of it. Um, so, yeah, and that's and, – and also the fact that I, you know, had an ambition and I had a business coach who said, this is where I've got to get to financially to be able to retire and that's what I did. Um, yeah, so it's, it just worked out that way.
0: Again, you had good people around you, didn't you?
1: Aveline, I have to say to you, <laughs> yeah, that is – <laughs> that so much is what we really need to instill in our community that we're all here for everybody else. You know we're, we're not here just for ourselves. We are here to help other people because the, 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 the feeling you get when you're able to do that is unbelievable. So I've been first I've, I've experienced that firsthand with the people around me. Um and, and, and I suppose if I could just wave a magic wand, I'd get everybody trained in our community to be able to sit and listen to other people's stories and, you know, just help people get through the issues they've got.
0: How important was it at the time you met your new partner for her to come into your life to help you, like, partner with you and give you that sense of, well, all the things that a new relationship brings uh, to start that new phase. You know, our partners, and that's the question is because obviously we're talking about having the right people around us and our partners, whether it's a business partner or a life partner, are just so critical.
1: Look, um, it was six, nine months after I started my relationship with with, uh, Katrina that I she was sitting next to me and said you've had seven and I said to her you'd better leave now because this may not be very nice and still 20 odd years later she's still here so again my belief in people (laughs) my belief in people is just it's uh, it's an indescribable because that's that is so important and you know um I could go on forever about about people but but I'm so aware of how important it is for everybody to have someone in their lives, somebody, some, anyway.
0: Yep. Mm, got, yeah, for sure. What did the doctors say to you after the bypass operation? What kind of outlook did they give you? Was it a negative
1: one? They didn't, and they never have. And even now I say to, well, I have two cardiologists, <laughs> because I'm a bit greedy, um, and I say to each of them, you know, what's the prognosis? And th- they understandably won't answer that. Um, but you know, I, I feel this time last year, I was in hospital and having some serious operation. 12 months later, I'm feeling like uh, the best I've felt for about seven or eight years. And so I just, I've just finished a 10 kilometer walk. Um, and, I don't feel the effects of having done that. So, again, you just got to get, you get on with it. When you can get on with it, you get on with it. There's always the inkling in the back of your mind that when's this going to end? Um, but you try and dismiss that. You try and dismiss that and put good things in your life, Good, put good people in your life. Um, that's what makes a difference.
0: Have you always had a really strong, state of mind, as in that belief in yourself and your life?
1: Yeah, yeah I have. I have. I, I, I've, I've, I've had a moment of depression, uh, which lasted around about two weeks, just at the time I was uh, leaving my, my ex-wife. Um, but, and so that when people tell me they are suffering depression, I actually know what it means. So I'm really pleased that that happened i know it's not just oh you know it's, it's nothing um but i haven't and a lot of people i say that to overland they say oh, aren't you lucky you only had two weeks um you know so i do understand that that sort of thing is is real um but i got through it i got through it with friends and i you know i just saw the guy who helped me get through it don't see a lot of him but i saw him about two or three weeks ago and you know he was there he was there still a friend i mean yeah, yeah, okay. And I'm
0: looking at your face as you're talking about him and it just lights up with just such joy and love and gratitude. So for those that are listening to this and, and aren't watching the video, I just want you to know that Philip's face just glowed when he was talking about his friend then. And that, yeah. it's, it's just beautiful. And that's why you know, you're here. You're here because your friends helped you get here and helped you. Live your life.
1: I, I I have to say yes. But the other thing I would absolutely say, and I hear this so often, that you know people do not understand the importance of exercise. You know that is just absolutely critical to our lives. Mm. So for those two things, I'm so ever grateful. Yeah.
0: When did you start the exercise? When did that become a a big thing in your life?
1: When I was about thirty. When I was about thirty I you know I played rugby when I was at school, and you know i, I, I I'm six foot two so and, and i' I'm, and I'm quite a strong person, but about thirty and um so it's always been part of my life it's always been part of my life and the people who I have around me, friends, all the same, and that's what happens. you collect the same sort of people in your own little village, and that that's that's exactly what happened. Yeah, so true. We do, don't we?
0: Tell me about the, the, I guess, the journey to where you are today, as in when did it first dawn on you that giving back in some way was important to you?
1: Probably the late 90s, to be honest, when I joined the board of a not-for-profit um, in Canberra, um, and we we were helping disadvantaged children um, get an education if they weren't the school we were running, then they were in in the remand centre and, you know, seeing how simple, it well, not simple, but how important it was for children particularly to have someone around them that cared about them, who were out of families where that didn't happen. Um, And when I, the the teacher at the school, I said, you know, what do you teach these children, Steve? And he said, uh, being very naive and not having much to do with this, thinking he might say reading writing arithmetic he said Phil, just one word and i've never forgotten this just one word respect um such a powerful word and if you can just get young people to understand that word and 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 and, and respect everything that's around them people environment uh, their bodies i mean you go on that's just such a powerful word so that was when it started i suppose in, in the in the late 90, 1990s
0: and when did you start your uh, work with lifeline
1: uh, about two thousand and sixteen uh, I, I started uh, we started to support their training as a business I got involved in in that and I did some um, some training myself i what, that wasn't really what I, what I was best at doing, but I did a bit of that um, and then i then the um The head trainer said to me, you know, Phil, why don't you do the Lifeline Telephone Crisis Supporting Course? And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And she said to me very powerfully, she said, it'll it'll change your life. And she was right. It did. It did. What I learned there was just unbelievable. It's been the most amazing thing and it's given me another life post-work, which is fantastic.
0: It's so beautiful to hear how how much time do you give in that in that area at the moment
1: uh, um, uh, it's really hard to say because um, uh, i've um, well, I've also got a foundation going and i'm supporting uh, I have some very strong views about oh, that's another long story, but uh, a fair bit of time yeah I mean as much as I feel I want to and I do it at my own my own pace, but, you know, I've got two two men I'm mentoring and that, it takes a bit of time and, you know, I it, I, have, I don't even measure it, Avaline. I don't measure
0: it. And, and what's been the most rewarding part of this journey of giving back, would you say?
1: Thank you from the people that I support. Um, like last week, the young 23-year-old that I've been mentoring for about 18 months uh, asked me to go to his graduation at university. Um, you know, you don't need much more than that. And it's, it's all those things. It's so often when you're on the phones and, you know, at the end of the call someone says, oh, thank you very much. You know, and you just – and you walk out of there feeling like a million dollars because you actually know you've – You've changed two, three, four lives in the time you've been sitting on those phones. That's what's rewarding, the word thank you. Um, yeah, that's that's what it is. I,
0: I will say you have expressed throughout this conversation your gratitude and also how important people are, the giving back. So I just want to you know, let you know that you have said that a lot and uh, it really has shown through in this conversation and I love that you've made such a point of that and given your experience and your background, you're not in the place where many people are when they've just gone through a trauma. You know, there's been a lot of years since that trauma at 51 with your heart operation and you've got this beautiful wisdom and experience of then changing your life but also creating a new life in a very different way and using these little pieces of your life experience to then help others. And yep. I just want to acknowledge that and thank you for sharing
1: mm, well,
0: and the powerful message that you've given.
1: Thanks, Evelyn. I, 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 yeah, What can I say other than that people have supported me, so if I can support people, that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm on the planet for. Simple as that. <laughs> very easy.
0: Um, if there's someone, if people listening to this who are going through anything that you've mentioned, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of different experiences that you've experienced, your family, um, the, 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 the health condition, any of it. Um, if, if someone is going through this, what, what piece of advice or just words, what would you like
1: to say to them? Talk about it. Reach out. Ask for support from people um if it's uh, if it needs professional support ask for professional support but importantly don't hide it just talk about it just get it out and particularly with men because men don't talk about these things um you know most people will offer support if if it's if you ask them for it and that's what i think we all need to understand that people want to help other people but very often they're reluctant to actually come out and ask for that for that help. And um, to me that's the answer. It's a
0: very, very powerful message. And you're right. People will give help, you know, when when we're asked, people will say yes, because at our core yeah. we're all humans and we actually need each other and we, we have care and passion for each other.
1: Sure, mm. sure.
0: Yeah. Well thank you, Philip, for being you, for still being here. And for shining your love your light and your compassion and grace on the world and everybody that you come into contact with it's it's so remarkable to hear a story and i'm really grateful that you were able to share it with me today and with everyone else listening
1: thank you very much for giving me the opportunity evelyn i hope i hope in some way this helps somebody out there that's the purpose of what i'm trying to do
0: well, Thank you. I, you're welcome. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below. And join us next week for our next Heroes story. Until then keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique
1: way. Only when it's broke.